Bidzy Small Business Society number 140. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. I'm Rob Barisoff. We talk to entrepreneurs and small business owners about what it takes to succeed as a small business owner. Connect with Bidzy Small Business Society at bidzy.com and grow your business. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers post projects for free in any of over 100 categories, including all types of home renovation, landscaping, cleaning services, photography, and many, many more. Now, if you're a business, Bidzy.com is a great way to find new customers because you are automatically notified each time a customer posts a project in your subscribed categories. So for example, let's say you own a roofing company and a customer posts a project in our roofing category. You are automatically notified via email or text and you can submit a bid at bidzy.com or use our internal chat system to introduce yourself to the customer and give them reasons why they should use you to complete their project. Monthly subscriptions start at $14.99. That's $14.99 per month for unlimited access to new customers and unlimited bidding at bidzy.com. Email rob at bidzy.com for more details or start your 30-day free trial now at bidzy.com. Welcome to another episode of Bidzy Small Business Society. Today we are joined by Pamela Slim. Pamela is an award-winning author, speaker, business consultant, and entrepreneur. In the last 11 years, she has helped hundreds of people launch and grow successful businesses. Pam's experience and expertise as a consultant to large companies and small businesses alike can be found on her powerful and rapidly growing online resource, PamelaSlim.com. Welcome, Pamela. Can you first tell us more about yourself than about what projects you're working on today? Absolutely. Well, yeah, I just celebrated 20 years in business, which was so fun, like 50 years on earth and 20 years in business. And I just recognized, thank you. You know, I recognize in that journey, what a fun, I call it a magical mystery tour that it's been. Um, As you were saying in the intro, I started out as a consultant to large companies in Silicon Valley and did that for about 10 years. And then that led me to find all this interest for people who wanted to do what I had done and become independent, leaving corporate, which led to my first book, Escape from Cubicle Nation. And so I just had this really interesting journey. And I always noticed that about every seven to 10 years, I'll do something big and significant. And so my latest twist and iteration is I opened up a small business incubator in my hometown of Mesa, Arizona. So I sit literally on Main Street, which is so exciting. And having worked virtually with businesses for so long with a lot of solopreneurs and freelancers and folks like that, it's really fun to add to the mix working with brick and mortar folks that are right here in my hometown. So I'm really, that's really the main project that I'm charged up about and really looking to bring all of the amazing energy and connections that I have from the national audience to really looking at what we can do here locally in order to energize our local um, economy, especially around small business. And in doing that, also be sharing the model of what we're doing with so many of the other small communities that I know around the country, having traveled and spoken in so many of them. 
Pamela Slim helping small businesses on Main Street, both figuratively and literally. Nice work. Now, <laughs> I want I want to go back to the beginning of your journey. So obviously, there's no shortage of people looking for help in launching and succeeding in Silicon Valley. But what was really happening around you that you saw as an opportunity to help others escape the cubicle and launch and grow that business? Yeah, well, you know, the first iteration of my business was a consultant to large companies. So what I saw is I had turned 30 and... I was the former director of training and development at Barclays Global Investors, a financial services firm in San Francisco. And so really the opportunity I saw in 1996 was that many, many companies were growing. It was at the you know upside of growth before we had the crash. And so there were companies that were growing and scaling so quickly that they didn't know how to really deal with the human side of that transition. And that's always where I focused is how is it that you really create a strong and solid human side of your business. So there was just so much growth happening, both from established companies that were wanting to really develop their staff to handle the growth, and also from a lot of startups that I, I really, as I tell my clients, I have a huge tolerance for risk and I didn't do a huge analysis. I just quit <laughs> and I kind of jumped in and started. And one of the lessons you know, that I learned from that is really to know yourself. I've always been someone who's been adventurous. I was an exchange student. You know, I trained Capoeira, the Afro-Brazilian martial art for many years. So you know, I lived by myself in Rio training martial arts and that's kind of my personality. So I don't mind jumping in, but for a lot of other people, that would be extremely foolhardy, right? Right? To, to take that same path. Yeah, we're not really all built that way, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Pamela, you're enjoying some success, but I'm sure it wasn't always that way. Talk about your biggest challenge, and our listeners typically would be looking for some of the actionable steps that you took to really embrace and overcome that challenge. Yeah, there's there never stop being challenges. I was just uh, talking with a good friend of mine who has launched and sold many businesses and works with a lot of entrepreneurs and he was saying, I think that's a fallacy that we have, that there's, you know, one huge challenge that you have to overcome. And then after that, then everything becomes e easy street, right? There's everything from feeling, you know, isolated and alone when I first started. And so what I did to overcome that challenge when I first started my online business as uh, Escape from Cubicle Nation, which I launched in 2005, I transitioned away from consulting and into that. And so what I did is I took a class. I took a class about how it is that you build an online presence. And that was such a good move because it actually led to me choosing the name Escape from Cubicle Nation, which really served me well. But it also led me to fellow entrepreneurs that I connected with, that I masterminded with, that I got through some of the difficult challenges that way. You know, And I think at each stage of really you know, transitioning into another kind of business, I, because I focus on the human side of business, you know, I'm a big advocate for making sure that you have a strong, powerful circle of people around you. And that goes from mentors who you really look up to, to the kinds of people that you are connecting with in your local community. Um, and there, I've lived through a couple, you know, growth spurts and downturns in the economy. And I think the thing that has gotten me through that is having a strong and solid reputation in what I do, always honoring my clients, honoring my work, really focusing on delivering value and not selling hype, but also in having strong relationships and always seed, always, always seed. What that means is build new relationships, treat everyone that you meet you know, as a valued equal. Um, really make sure that you're always looking for new opportunities and being on podcasts and writing blog posts and going to events, all those things are really important. 
Obviously, you're talking about the power of networking. Dig deeper here for the aspiring or the up-and-coming entrepreneur. How important or why is it so important to put yourself out there and become a part of those networks and those masterminds, et cetera? Well, I'm actually writing my next book on this very topic because the way I see it is there's a natural ecosystem that as you get clear as to who it is that you are serving, who is your ideal client, then they live in a very vibrant, living, kind of organic, natural ecosystem where they are influenced by certain people, where they're you know listening to podcasts, they're reading certain blogs, they're reading books, they might belong to associations, they go attend certain events. And so the key for you in being strategic about networking is not just to jump and go anywhere and everywhere because that's part of what leads you to really feel burnout. It's to really first always start with thinking about what is that ecosystem around the person who you really, really are excited to serve? And in order to do that, you actually need to talk to those folks. <laughs> so a really good thing to do is to find people who might find that profile. They could be fellow parents on your soccer team. They could be somebody you went to college with. They could be friends of friends. But take time to really talk to them and say, you know, what influences you and where do you hang out and what's your favorite, favorite source of inspiration and what books do you think are fantastic? And then you could be more strategic about where it is that you spend your time. You know, I'm noticing that being here local, one of the things that I'm doing in the first couple months since I started up is just going and getting to know people and asking these very questions. That's where you can then make the determination, what's really the best use of where I should spend my time. Absolutely. Time is a finite resource and we need to spend it wisely. Absolutely. Now, Pamela, are there any influencers that you follow online or otherwise for your own motivation and inspiration? There are a lot of them. Um, a, a very, very dear person to my heart and somebody who influences me as an influencer is Seth Godin, who I really love. And throughout the years, I've gotten to know him personally. I love his work ethic. I love how he approaches his work. I love his consistency in what he delivers. I love the fact that he actually lives the, the things that he talks about. And personally, that's really important to me. You know, the decisions that he makes around who he hires and how he runs his business and what kinds of projects that he's involved in um, are very, very much anchored in his you know, ethics. And I love that. Another person who I really love uh, and admire is Nancy Duarte, who runs the firm Duarte, which is a communications firm in Silicon Valley. She's also an author and has written a number of great books, um, Resonate, about the power of story, Slideology, and then um, Illuminate, which is her latest. And she, you know, for many reasons, she's just an amazing thought leader around story and has built a really strong firm. She's also just such a powerful and clear woman and leader and very much loves her kids and now her grandkid, you know, and it to me really demonstrates another core value for me, which is not having to choose necessarily, right? I'm a big family person. I really like to, um, I love my kids. I love my husband. And I don't think you have to choose, you know, to kind of pursue your career or be a family person. Just more on Seth. I just love, obviously, his authentic approach. And while I don't have a personal relationship with him like you do, uh, I feel personally connected to him because of that authenticity. You know, I get his blog posts every day, really engaging. Again, down to earth, uh, transparent, authentic. You can really hear his voice there, right? That's so true. And I think, you know, it's, it's so funny because he's the first one to say, don't 
don't try to imitate what it is that I do, right? You know, because he's so uniquely him. And there, there are very few people, I think, who could have the kind of prolific consistency that he has, right, of just, you know, writing a blog post every single day and really growing, you know, growing to have the largest marketing blog on the web. But it's not from kind of tricking the system, right, and doing a whole bunch of backdoor deals, you know, where he's meeting with people. I mean, everybody has a different approach to how they do it, but he's just very clearly and strongly who he is. And I, I admire that. I like that combination of really deeply serving your market and actually making a difference in the world and not compromising your values. Yep. Great lesson to be learned there. Absolutely. Very simple, very to the point, And again, very authentic. Now I want to talk more about this, more about your journey. Talk about your rewards of entrepreneurship. Why is it so great to be Pamela Slim? <laughs> you know, I think the there's nothing to me that's more exciting than helping people to realize the vision that's in their head. You know, having being able to do that hundreds and really thousands of times and looking at a lot of folks who I've worked with through courses that I've taught and workshops and so forth. Um, it's so rewarding because I see the very specific impact not only of bringing great businesses into the world, but also seeing the transformation that happens for people when they're really doing the work that they love. And that that is the thing that really drives me. It's uh, sometimes I wish I were more driven <laughs> by the metrics, you know, and always looking at the dollar amount. But um, it what brings me joy is seeing people ship and take action and write books and build businesses and make a difference in their community and then feel better and clearer and more capable, you know, as, as individuals. Yeah. I mean, when you're creating that value and creating that success for those people around you, obviously those metrics, those numbers are going up as a byproduct, right, Pamela? Right. Well, and, but I'm not creating that for them, right? right? They're creating that success for themselves, but to be a part of that journey, it is true. You know, when you think about it, um, and some of the, you know, social good businesses, you know, talk about the triple bottom line. I often think, and I, I forget who it was. One of my friends was saying, as we were looking at this whole issue that very often, especially online and online businesses, people get excited about sharing, right? How, well, your launches did, right? You know, your own individual launch and what your conversion rates are when you're sending an offer out to the market. And that's great. I mean, you need to be in business to be in business, right? You need to make sure that numbers make sense. But as I really look at the bigger picture of not only what kind of value people created to the economy, right? What have they contributed? What have they brought in in their own businesses? And if I were to take that into consideration as being a part of what it is that they did, the numbers become a lot bigger. You know, it's why if I can share a pet peeve, why I often get so, you know, just disappointed or just kind of, you know, a little bit dismayed when people are only talking about their business in terms of what the results are for themselves personally, right? If somebody's constantly saying, I killed it, you know, I jumped, I got off stage and I closed 70% of that audience. What I'm thinking is those are people out there, right? Like <laughs> I hope that what it is that you close them on is really going to be valuable and transformational. And to me, that's the interesting part of the equation. That's the part that keeps me up at night is, is what I am creating the thing that my people actually need. And if so, then it's fantastic where they help me raise my family, right? And, and take care of my own needs. And then they're also getting the exact kind of thing that they need. Pamela, I think I pulled this from more of Seth's message, but it goes beyond creating success and into significance, right? 
it's really true. You know, that's that's where in, in Body of Work, which was my uh, book that came out in 2014, my definition of, you know, your body of work is everything that you create, contribute, affect, and impact throughout the course of your life, right? That's, that's your body of work. So it's not just the balance sheet for your business, which you want to be super healthy in order to contribute to, to the economy, but you also want to make sure that the work that you're actually doing is something that's really significant. And I find as a 20-year career coach, that when you are doing work that you see is personally significant, then it makes you feel so much better. You have so much more clarity and excitement to get out of bed in the morning on Monday morning, like it is today for me here. And, you know, to get through the rough parts, to get through the doubt and challenge and launches that aren't always successful as you think. And also then to be able to really celebrate when you get the big wins. I'm going to make a bit of a shift here, Pamela. You are a successful business coach I want to ask, how are you helping people escape from Cubicle Nation? Well, I tend to really channel a lot of very pragmatic um, process when it is that I'm working with people. So I believe that hating your job intensely is not a business plan. It's not about selling the dream of working for yourself. It's actually about creating something that is a valuable product or service in the world. And it has to be something that actually has a market that is ready for what it is that you're going to sell, right? And has the means and willingness to pay for it. So there's different parts of that process. When people are making a career transition and leaving corporate life and going into entrepreneurship, it is good first to focus on how they actually want their life to look because many people that I've worked with throughout the years have kind of stumbled into their career path. They've not been very conscious about it. They haven't thought about their skills and strengths and what they really want. So if you define that, and the onset, that can be part of your decision criteria for the kind of business that you choose based on what's important to you. And then after that, there's just all kinds of steps that you need to go through in order to sort through and select different uh, business ideas, to be doing early stage rapid prototyping, to be getting them out to the market, to be laying your marketing foundation, to be defining your business model, really all the core steps that you need to do in order to make sure that you have a healthy, viable business. But I tend to really move more with people, I think, in helping them to take action earlier. Um, you know, some folks will spend a long time trying to put together the perfect business plan and tons and tons and tons of detail. And in my experience, you don't really know how something's going to go until you actually bring it out into the market. So that's why I love small tests and small tries. I've talked about this a lot with my friend Ramit Sethi, who's over at I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Um, in Escape From Cubicle Nation, I shared his story of before launching his own very profitable kind of online um, training business that he has now. Um, he was the co-founder of uh, a business, the PB Wiki, which, you know, having helping people to create personal wikis. And they came to that idea by vetting about nine different business ideas and then just starting out with the very smallest little test of the market to see how it goes. And I just believe in that so strongly. And then when you see that there is viability and you start to move in that direction, then you want to really build a strong software solid business foundation with the right kind of, you know, business structure and legal support and strong, you know, clear marketing methodology. So what you're saying is this doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition, right? We can launch, we can test, we can do a bit of marketing and a little bit of selling while we're transitioning from being that quote unquote corporate prisoner into entrepreneur. Is that right? It's so true. And I think it's, it, it's, 
what you want to be doing. You really want to have a side hustle, you know, and, and work it out. There's, you want to make sure that there's water in the pool before you jump. Right. It's, it's, and we are so used to having that all or nothing mentality or to have that thought that there's some magic unicorn, you know, fairy dust that comes when you work for yourself. It doesn't, it is hard work. I mean, business, core kind of business structures and core business processes need to be followed in order for you to be successful. So you can't, the the market will immediately tell you what's real and what's not. And again, I've seen a lot of sometimes, you know, you can have a random viral, you know, video or blog post or something that can maybe, you know, momentarily give you um, exposure or a little mini fortune, but over time, that's not really what's going to create a strong, sustainable business. So what's going to help us do that, Pamela? Is it just that consistent effort or? Yeah, it's a consistent effort. So after it is that you find it, it for, you know, a lot of folks, once they've been evaluating a number of different ideas that they have, once you begin to launch one, it gets traction, you see there's viability, you, you begin to get some energy around it, then you want to be really putting your focus on having a, you know, very strong, clear plan for how it is that you're going to execute, really to be connected with your customers, have that good engagement with people, have a strong and clear marketing plan so that you're constantly seeding, right? Every day you're building your reputation, building the work that you're doing, and then that you're paying attention to some of the core business fundamentals, right? That you make sure you're all square from a tax perspective, you know, you make sure you're reporting on time. And it's really funny because a lot of the creative entrepreneurs I meet, Um, I used to be more on that side of just like, oh, it's just about passion and I don't want to be bogged down. And, you know, it can feel like a downer sometimes, right, to focus on those things. What I found in my experience, a lot of it's due to having a really fantastic lawyer, my friend Kyle Durand, who's not only a postdoctorate tax attorney, but he's also an American ninja warrior. You know, he's like an insurance (laughs) athlete and Navy commander and, you know, just this great guy. And what he's really helped me see is when you have clarity around your core business structure, when you enter into partnerships with eyes open, right? When, when you're, you're enacting business in a way that is really based on good, solid practices, it actually gives you more creative flexibility. You know, he could tell stories for days of people, I call it, let's put on a show, you know, where you and I meet at a conference. We're like, you're cool. I'm cool. Let's do something together. You know, (laughs) let's create a program. And we just start doing it without defining who owns the IP, right? And what happens if it's successful and what happens if it's a failure. And that's, I think, where a lot of people get into a calamitous situation is where they just get ahead of themselves, you know, just running so fast to chase the market. So that, that's more what I mean. You know, it's like it, it is an ever-growing, evolving thing. You always have to be ready to innovate and to build and, and so forth. But I think a lot of it is where you're, you're pacing yourself and you surround yourself with a really great group of advisors and also peers. Yeah, and if you don't have that ninja warrior mentality in you, find someone who does and surround yourself with that very powerful team. Obviously, very, very important. Now, again, a little bit of a shift here. Pamela, do you love to win or hate to lose and why? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not – I probably would, would veer more toward the love to win, although I think it would depend on the situation. I like win, win, win situations, right? I love to see it when my clients are successful and I love the work that I'm doing and it's financially viable, right? As an example, I 
I love it if, a, you know, one of my books comes out and it does extremely well. And it's not so much that I'm happy to win to crush the competition so that, you know, somebody else loses like, yes, I did it. You know, I edged them out and I beat them. That's not really how it is that I'm wired. I tend to be more community to focused. I am goal oriented. I love to drive towards a goal and just give it my all, but I actually don't get totally devastated. You know, if I, if I lose, because to me, I'm a, I did martial arts for many, many years. And to me, the metric that I really hold myself accountable to is did I just leave it all on the mat, right? Did I absolutely give it my all? Was I totally in it? And if that's the case, then that's what matters, right? That's that consistent kind of repeatable thing. Cause sometimes you're going to win. Sometimes you're going to lose, right? Getting focused just on that. Boy, have I seen a lot of people that just become obsessed. And usually what happens is you become obsessed to the point of forgetting why you're in business in the first place. Interesting. Interesting. And I think, yeah, obviously you learn when you lose too, but I just think that you can't really feel like you've lost if you've left everything out on the table. Like, I mean, there's always going to be people who are faster, stronger, smarter, I think no matter what, but as long as you left it all out there, I think that's a win, right, Pamela? It really is, you know, and it's like you, you can totally celebrate and embrace when you have wins. I remember when my first book came out, Escape from Cubicle Nation, at one best small business book of 2009, you know, and that was incredible. Like here I was the first time author, never really considered myself to be a writer. I started out as a blogger, you know, that's where my publisher found me. And that felt amazing. And it was just so incredible to have that experience and, and kind of external validation. But then there's just been many, many, many years where I have written many things that have not won awards, but they have impacted people. One of my favorite things is where I'll, you know, be trying to, to get together my marketing plan for the week and write a blog post. And I'm kind of rushing out to get it done. I'm like, oh, you know, I hope this topic is useful. And then I'll get a couple of emails back right after sending. And somebody said, thank you so much for writing this. Like, this is exactly what I needed to hear right now. And that's over time where it is that I really want to be making the impact, right? Is am I on a daily basis serving the people who I really care about? Pamela, give our listeners something actionable. What are you doing to wind down after a long or stressful day? Um, to me, it's really hanging out with my, with my family. You know, I have awesome kids and an awesome husband and our favorite thing to do usually <laughs> because my son is a soccer fanatic. We spend a lot of time on the soccer field, <laughs> but just really enjoying it. You know, I think being learning to really be present, to turn off work when you have left it all on the mat and you've really had a great day to give yourself permission to not feel like you're half in your business and your half with your family. And I'm not always successful in that, right? Just ask my kids. They will tell you very clearly when I'm not <laughs> successful, but you know, just enjoying spending the time being present, um, moving your body. Like one of the things we're, I live in Arizona, so it's so hot here in the summertime. So now we're so excited as we move into the fall because I can do things like be at my son's, you know, soccer game or soccer practice on the field, but then I can also take a walk, right? And just walk around the field and kind of feel my body move, attend to my health. So those that that's really my main thing. It's it's the thing I find that a lot of people feel in what creates stress is where they're not really fully present in what they're doing, including the work that they're doing, because they're always thinking ahead, right, to what's next. Sure. So for you, does that mean maybe putting down your phone and closing your laptop, completely disconnecting from the electronics? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. It, you know, that is one thing that I try to do. As I said, sometimes you know, life intervenes, and you're doing something where you have to, we, you have to stay close. But it's as an example when you're talking to somebody and you know, meeting a fellow parent on the soccer field, or you know, talking to somebody in a cafe where you really look at them and you listen to them and you tune into you know how it is that they're doing you you really look at your spouse and and take the time to thank them and say you know thanks so much for working hard on behalf of our family you know i really appreciate you just really being present in what you're doing i think too much of a focus it's it's so interesting it kind of goes with the theme of what we talked about where you don't always like advice that might work really fantastically for you might be terrible advice for me right? So for some people, it's like, wake up at four, do all your writing before five, and then exercise and then do this. You know, for somebody else, that would not work at all. You have to know yourself, you have to know your own biorhythm, you have to know your your patterns of productivity. And I think you really want to match the particular kinds of things that you do to align with your work. The biggest piece of advice I always tell my clients is know what it is that are your key priorities in the next 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days. You know, if you, if you're clear about that, where you've stepped back and you've done some planning, that's the thing that's really going to keep you on course. Cause you know, the main things that you need to take care of and you won't be distracted. I mean, saying you want to lose weight is not going to ensure that you lose weight. If I want to lose 10 pounds in the next 30 days, that's probably more attainable, right? It's so true. And just what are you doing today in order to do it? Yeah. I mean, I just dropped almost 40 pounds and let me tell you, it was every single day, right? Walking, watching my diet, you know, and it wasn't that big of a deal. I was like, God, why did it take me so long to do this? You know, it's just because of not breaking it down and making it a priority. Yeah. For myself, I'm trimming down from roughly might be sitting around 11 or 12% body fat right now down to 8% by December 15th. I mean, this is a very specific goal that daily I'm working towards. Yeah. So great advice there. I love that. Yep. Now, Pamela, we're nearing the end here. I want you to boil this thing down for us. What is the one thing you want to leave with our listeners about escaping the cubicle and embracing the challenge of entrepreneurship? Um, I think the biggest thing is to be clear when you are focusing on what it is that you want to do, not just what lifestyle that you want to have, but what is something that you really could do well, right? That's really uniquely matched to your skills and your strengths. Sometimes, you know, we think that we have to do something totally different when you start a business and there can be many different options. What I did that helped me to get kickstarted is I was essentially doing the same thing I did in my day job, right? Creating and building training programs, doing executive coaching, but just doing it in an independent fashion. And that's because I already had the skills and the strengths and it helped me to make a smaller step. That's really what it's about when you're getting going is having those smaller steps that you could be building, right? So knowing what that is, um, and, and don't think that it has to be something that's just a totally different business idea. Maybe you have an idea down the road of, you know, opening a bed and breakfast or creating the next great app and all of those wonderful things, but you can do bridges, you know, getting over the bridge of just working for yourself. Even if like a lot of my clients have done as a first step, you're a contractor for your former employer. That's going to get you one step closer to really understanding and managing your work life as an independent person. Now, Pamela, you've got a couple of books. You've got a very engaging blog. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but how can we connect with you if we want to learn more about you and your business? Yeah, you can go to PamelaSlim.com, and that's where I have all my social channels there. I have my blog. 
um, different classes that I provide virtually and in person. If anybody feels like coming on down to Mesa, Arizona, it's a happening place on Main Street. You may not think so, but we have all kinds of cool things happening here. So that's the place to find out about it. Pamela, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thanks again for taking the time to join me on Bidzy Small Business Society. You take care. You too. Thanks. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at Bidzy.com. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Go to Bidzy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bidzy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a five-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and five-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bidzy Small Business Society today. 